Welcome to On the Scene Podcast. I'm Heather Harrison. And I'm Emma Dodson. And we're breaking down Mississippi's top headlines. We will bring you breaking news, pop culture, and hot takes. Coming from the desk of two Reflector editors, we'll share our favorite news of the week with you. We're On the Scene, reflecting on Mississippi's top stories. Hey guys! Welcome back! Today we're going to be talking about medical marijuana in Mississippi, past, present, and future. So just a brief note before we start talking about medical marijuana, marijuana is decriminalized in Mississippi as of 1977, and that was the last time that the laws have been changed. So the rule for that is possession of 30 grams, which is a little bit more than an ounce or less uh, is a hundred and or $250 fee. The second conviction results in a bigger fee plus 50 to 60 days in jail plus counseling. And then the third conviction is two years and a, or the third conviction in two years is a misdemeanor. So, um, Offenders who provide proof of identity and agree in writing to appear in court are not subject to arrest. The Bureau of Narcotics maintains a record of first and second convictions, but the record does not constitute a criminal record, and the record of each conviction is expunged after two years. So that's according to the Marijuana Policy Project. So that is kind of the preface of our um, talk today. So just a note, it is decriminalized, but in some cases we'll see that it's a little bit different from person to person. So my first article I'm going to be talking about is by Hank Klybanoff for the Washington Post back in April 1977. So let's paint the picture. So Douglas Timms in about 1975 or 1976, he's a 30-year-old man from Cleveland, Mississippi. Um, he was an insurance company executive and considered a wealthy Delta Republican, although he did not claim a political party at the time. So he started pushing to decriminalize marijuana in Mississippi. So he lobbied with state legislators for over a year, um, starting in about 1975, uh, late in the year, and 1976 was really when he got the push. But then in January 1977, he realized, quote, his case was made. So at the time, a lot of Mississippians, of course, probably didn't think it would ever be possible for marijuana to be decriminalized just because the way our state is. If you live here, you just understand how it is. Um, But... Tim's was like, we have hope because he had read multiple articles um, that month in January 1977 in which um, people were caught with various amounts of marijuana. However, they received fines, not jail time. And then other times when they received suspended jail time, so a lighter sentence probably, but no fines. So Hmm. this was the green light for Tim's, literally. That makes me wonder. I was like, hmm, who was caught with it? Was it white people or black people? Exactly, exactly. And we'll get into that a little bit later too. So Tim said, I amazed. I was amazed. Um, There it was. The case was made right there. So then in the 1977 legislative session, remember again that Tim's is a wealthy, quote, Republican um, person. So he does kind of have a leg up than just an average man because he does have all these connections. So that is also why he was able to get such notoriety so fast and get this going. Because if he was probably just an average man, I wouldn't guess he would really have all that momentum. I don't momentum. think anybody would really care. Yeah. So then in the 1977 legislative session, right after that January uh, quote from Tim's, the Mississippi legislator, quote, had passed a law removing jail terms as a penalty for persons convicted the first time for possessing an ounce or less of marijuana and imposing tough mandatory sanctions against hard drug traffickers and possessions of large quantities of marijuana. 
And so at the time, if Governor Cliff Finch signed the bill, which his aide said, and evidently he did, Mississippi would become the eighth state to end jail terms for a person's convicted at least the first time for simple possession. Can you believe being one of the first eight? I was going to say, when are we ever in the top of any list? Right? That's good. Right? Okay, so other states at the time that had removed some or all criminal charges in some form uh, for possession are Oregon, Alaska, Maine, California, Colorado, Minnesota, and Ohio. Minnesota. (laughs) So those are the states that we were with. And then I have a quote from Peter Myers. He is the chief legal counsel for the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, or NORML. Um, He said, the fact that Mississippi has taken this action should be a signal to other states that is realistic and possible to do without backlash. After all, who wants to be behind Mississippi? (laughs) Right? So this is a little, no, but it's a little proud moment for Mississippi because, wow, we were number eight, but, you know. I mean, I guess. A couple of decades like, later. kind of a jab at Mississippi. Yeah, it is. But, you know, now a couple of decades later, we are still one of the last. But anyway, so much of the legislative support um, came from lawmakers, apparently, who had friends and relatives who had um, dealt with marijuana possession and then had been fined or anything like that. And the previous law was um, a $1,000 fine and a maximum sentence of one year in county jail. So now the fine is much lower. Pretty much the max is around 250 So um, clearly, once you have friends and family that are involved in something, of course, your morals are like, well, this seems to be the way to do things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it gained tons of support from Mississippi lawmakers across political aisles, people, Republicans, Democrats, independents, anyone and everyone was supporting this. And it was added to the law books in 1977. So um, in 2014, medical oil was legalized for people experiencing intractable epilepsy and called Harper's Grace Law in honor of six-year-old Harper Grace who has epilepsy and relies on CBD to, to control her symptoms. So from 1977 to 2014, of course, there are smaller movements and things like that, but no big push had come along. But then in 2014, um, Harper Grace um, and her mother really were rallying behind um, approving CBD oil for those who have epilepsy in order to control her symptoms. So that was a big push in 2014. But at the time, according to normal.org, the qualifications for CBD are cannabis extracts that contain more than 15% cannabis oil and no more than 0.5% THC. Yeah. And if you don't know, THC is the one that makes you have the kind of psychological effects. CBD, you don't really experiencing, like you're not experiencing anything as a high yeah. It's just more of stuff that you don't recognize as much. It helps with things that you are not subconscious of. Yeah, it's like the calming element. Of. And so a lot of people who do have epilepsy or other similar conditions do find that CBD helps them a lot with their seizures and other problems like that, including Harper Grace. Um, so in 2014, that passed. And then... Um, In 2017, lawmakers in Mississippi passed SB 2610, um, which permitted the use of CBD um, in the research of several medical conditions, including the treatment of seizures. So now, not just seizures were um, like the qualifications for purchase of CBD. It was a number of other medical um, conditions, and I will link that down below. That's from wayofleaf.com. However, it wasn't until July 2019 that the state officially legalized CBD for the general population. I actually remember when this happened because I worked at a pharmacy um, for a few years, kind of like in between high school and college randomly. And I remember when we first got CBD, it was around July of 2019. It came in this plastic glass or this plastic um, like clear display and it had all these products in it. We were all so curious and the pharmacists um, were all talking about it and stuff like that. And 
I remember we had some customers that were curious to try it out because we had a lot of older customers, of course, and a lot of younger ones, but we had this one old man. I forgot what he had, but he was not doing very well. He had really bad arthritis, I think. And so um, one of the pharmacists recommended that he try taking CBD gummies or CBD oil um, once or twice a day just to help out with his pain and his arthritis. And I remember one time he was he came back in after like a month of using it and he was like practically rejoicing. He was so happy that he had found something because he had taken you know numerous medications and this this seemed to be the only thing that could really control it. So I was so happy that this man had, you know, a way to control his arthritis because I know a lot of people with arthritis and I bet it's painful. Oh yeah. So in Mississippi today in um, about 2015 or 2018, so there's a quote, quote, in 2015, the last time Mississippians tried to get a vote on legalizing marijuana, some people did freak out, according to the campaign's lead organizer, Kelly Jacobs. Getting an initiative on Mississippi ballots requires collecting signatures of 100,000 registered voters in the state. It has to be 20,000 from each con congressional district, including the one had, including one that has long been dissolved. Um, and the initiative's author, like I said, Kelly Jacobs, said that she and other campaign workers resi faced resistance from officials in dozens of communities. She said her campaign struggled to collect enough signatures and county clerks ultimately rejected the ones they did co uh, collect. So this is Kelly Jacobs saying this, quote, I don't see any way Mississippi is going to have a successful ballot initiative to legalize medical marijuana because the hurdles that we face today are the same ones we're going to face tomorrow. This is a conservative state. It's not easy to find 100,000 people willing to say they're okay with medical marijuana. That was written by Larson Campbell from Mississippi today in 2018. So... I think like a lot of people for that, they probably just weren't educated enough to know what they were even trying to be voting on. And they were probably just thinking of the stereotypical, you know, stoner that's blazing it up and not really looking into the actual medical benefits of it. Right. So that was in 2015. But then in 2018, we see the current mainstream push. So like I said, for over four decades and even longer than that, Mississippians have been fighting to medicalize and legalize marijuana in our state. So the current mainstream push began around 2017 to 2018 and was spearheaded when Patrick Beadle was arrested in Madison County. So if you know anything about Madison County, it's pretty white, right? It's very white and it's, it would be, it's mostly middle-class people or more above that. Mm -hmm. They don't have apartments or anything like that. They have a very high standard of many things. A lot of it doesn't make sense, but it just is what it is. Yeah, so in 2018, Patrick Beadle, who is a black Oregon musician, was arrested in Madison County, Mississippi, for possessing 2.89 pounds of marijuana that he legally bought in Oregon. So Beadle said that the marijuana was for his personal use. Um, nobody, none of the um, police officers or anybody like that involved thought that it, he was selling it. He, like, he told them it was for his personal use and they believed him. But also, Beadle is from Oregon. He bought the weed in Oregon and he has a medical marijuana card. So, and all of that was legal in Oregon at the time. So he was just, had it in his car with him as he was driving to Oregon. And he actually got pulled over um, kind of unfairly. Just, it's like a targeting thing for police officers, especially in Madison County, to pull over black people because they're just trying to get their ticket quota. Oh, yeah. um, and just, you know, the racism that exists just inherently in the system um, really brings it out, especially in the light of like marijuana possession, because even though marijuana usage is pretty comparable between white and black people, nationwide, black people are almost four times as likely to be arrested for marijuana possession. So we see that like kind of as like the current flowing through this, like, yes, it is about marijuana, but also the color of your skin, unfortunately, still has big impacts as to if you're going to be arrested or not. Yeah, if you're white, it's just a slap on the wrist, but... 
Yeah. God forbid you be anything else. And yeah. Yeah. The consequences. So back to Beadle, he was sentenced for eight years in prison without the possibility of parole, according to Mississippi Today and the American Civil Liberties Union in 2018. So um, eight years. So note, he did possess 2.89 pounds, which is over the one ounce limit. But at the same time, people were outraged, of course, yeah. as people get. Mississippi is an outlier in the harshest of its penalties for marijuana offenses, according to the ACLU. Um, it's one of only four states, including Alabama, South Dakota, and Louisiana, where possession of marijuana can result in a mandatory life without parole sentences under habitual offender statutes. So um, him getting eight years, it sounds very bad, but it could have been worse. But at the same time, it's like, why? It's like, can we calm down? Chill. Yeah. So thus, this really pushed the idea of Initiative 65 or the idea to legalize medical marijuana in Mississippi. And much to many people's surprise, it was heavily supported by Congress people of both political parties and everyone in between. If you don't know, this was what was on the ballot along with the change for the Mississippi flag. Yes. So this was on the 2020 ballot along with the presidential election. So there were two different choices. Um, there was Initiative 65 and 65A. So 65 was sponsored by Ashley Ann Durval, and then 65A was specifically written um, by legislators to set stricter guidelines to whom was allowed to legally possess medical marijuana. So a brief overview of Initiative 65. So it supported advocating the medical marijuana amendment as provided by Initiative 65, which was designated to allow medical marijuana treatment for more, <laughs> more than 20 qualifying conditions, allowing individuals to possess up to 2.5 ounces of marijuana at one time and tax marijuana sales at the current sales tax rate of 7%. So this um, was overwhelmingly approved by Mississippi voters, but there was also the 65A alternative, which um, not as many people voted for. So it basically was the legislator's alternative medical marijuana amendment which was designed to restrict smoking marijuana to terminally ill patients and then there would be pharmaceutical grade marijuana products like pills and things like that or oils and treatment oversight by licensed physicians nurses and pharmacists and it would leave tax rates possession limits and certain other details to be set by the legislature the legislator so this is according to ballotpedia.org so people of course wanted the less strict guidelines because with Alternative 65A, it probably could have taken a person a long time to even be able to get the permission that they needed in order to get the marijuana. And then it would still only be in the pill form or something like that. So um, people voted for Initiative 65. The qualifying conditions for Initiative 65 are cancer, epilepsy, or other seizures, Parkinson's disease, Huntington's disease, muscular dystrophy, mus multiple sclerosis, cachexia, post-traumatic stress disorder, positive status for human immunodeficiency virus or HIV, acquired immunity, acquired immune deficiency syndrome, chronic or debilitating pain, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, glaucoma. And a whole lot of other ones yeah. that had a oh, way to read. <laughs> I just realized how long that list was. Yeah. I'm sorry. But basically um, things similar to that. And I will list all of this down below. All of these articles will be linked down below. So basically... Um, it, a physician believes the benefits of using mar medical marijuana would reasonably outweigh potential health risks. So that's kind of the backbone. So even if you don't have one of those conditions, I feel like if your physician thought that you could use it, especially if you're terminally ill or things like that, it would have been approved. So now, so that was overwhelmingly approved by about 74% of Mississippi voters. They wanted initiative 65 and then the mayor of Madison, Mississippi, decides to come in and stir the pot. Quite oh, literally. Mary, Mary. 
So the mayor of Madison, Mary Hawkins Butler, sued Mississippi just days before the 2020 election and in order to nullify the ballot measure. And then in May 2021, just a couple of months ago, uh, Mississippi's Supreme Court sided with the mayor in a six to three ruling that struck down the medical cannabis law enacted by voters. That's according to the Marijuana Policy Project or MPP.org. So, quote, on October 26, 2020, the city of Madison, Mississippi, filed a lawsuit against Initiative 65 in the Mississippi Supreme Court, asking the court to invalidate the measure and not count any votes cast on the November 3rd election. The city of Madison and Mayor Mary Hawkins Butler alleged that the Secretary of State unlawfully certified the measure in violation of Section 273 of Article 15 of the Mississippi Constitution, which states, quote, the signatures of the qualified electors from any congressional district shall not exceed one-fifth of the total number of signatures required to qualify an initiative petition for placement upon the ballot. In other words, she was making up a bunch of stuff so she could keep pot shops, is what she said. I remember seeing a quote about it out of Madison. Yeah, so basically this got so much support that she was mad. Yeah. <laughs> Hawkins argued because Mississippi has four congressional districts, it, there was some sort of mathematical mistake that was made. Um, and then the support, like I said, for Initiative 65 um, exceeded one-fifth of the total number required. So she really wanted to keep that 20% quartered off. She did not want it to go above. The Mississippi legislator is aware of this mathematical impossibility. Despite the legislator's failure to propose an amendment to the voters, the Secretary of State nonetheless has followed an amended Section 273 in parentheses 3 and has inserted, quote, the last five district congressional district plan into the text of the constitution. The plaintiffs also argued that it would allow any licensed medical marijuana treatment center to grow marijuana in residential areas, which um, Mayor Hawkins did not want. She did not want marijuana to come into her precious little city, even though we all know people in Madison smoke just as much as people oh, yeah. anywhere else in the state. But of course, what Mayor Hawkins doesn't know doesn't affect her, I guess. But honestly, there's not even that much farmland in Madison, so it probably wouldn't even be happening there. They would probably grow it in a different area in the state anyway, so she's just mad for no reason. Yeah, so that was basically why Initiative 65 was stopped. And so now there's some special section, special session talks in the works. So um, according to Ballotpedia, on September 23rd, 2021, legislators in Mississippi agreed to draft a bill to establish a medical marijuana program in the state. And it's set to include all of the qualifying um, conditions listed on Initiative 65, as well as others, including hepatitis, Alzheimer's, and spastic quadriplegia. So smoking marijuana would also be allowed under the draft legislation. Growing marijuana at home would not be allowed under the bill. So Mayor Mary, that's not going to happen. No. So, yeah. so the legislative leaders requested that the governor call a special session of the legislature, which they hoped would begin on October 1st, if, of course, Tate Reeves approved it. But Tate Reeves is taking his sweet little time. So... According to Bobby Harrison from Mississippi Today, I wonder if we're related, probably not, but <laughs> as of October 14th, 2021, quote, Governor Reeves is holding up efforts to enact a Mississippi medical marijuana law. So he did miss the October 1st deadline by about two weeks. So now um, pretty much Mississippi Today said he's at this point the sole person blocking the efforts of legislators to um, enact medical marijuana or to take up the issue, but there's still plenty of blame to be shared by the House and the Senate leaders as to why Mississippi does not already have a medical cannabis program. So um, in the 2021 session, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman 
led the session and he passed a bill that would have made medical marijuana legal by now if the house had passed it and if it was signed into law by the governor however the house opted to let the bill die and then there was a second moment in 2021 in the regular session that could have already decided the fate of medical marijuana according to mississippi today had the senate agreed to do what some members of the house wanted earlier that year which was the extended regular session to go into october 1st then the legislator could have come back to its session um, to enact medical marijuana. So the state Mississippi state constitution gives the legislator the authority to extend the reg regular session throughout the entire year if two thirds of the House and Senate both agree. The House wanted to do this in 2021. However, the Senate leaders had no interest. So this is pretty much where we are now, Emma. We are just kind of waiting on our hands and feet, trying to see if Governor Reeves is going to do anything. Because while this is not his fault, he's someone that could do something. Yeah. He, and he is choosing to probably go play golf with Mayor Mary. Oh, he definitely has a voice to say something. And he said it a lot when trying to uh, get the, you know, they had the federal thing protesting the vaccine mandate. Right, right. He had no, like, hard time doing that. Right. And getting that done real quickly. Exactly. It's so, it's just so odd to see how this movement has been pushed since 2018 like the mainstream movement. So we've been three years in the making. However, the vaccine mandate stuff just started up and he immediately- Yeah, it was like maybe two months, one month, and he had stuff already going through. And they already have like a lawsuit against this now. So the story, the moral of the story is if he wanted to, he would. So I'm hoping in a few months we can come back and update you guys on this with a happy good update. Um, Cause I just really think this would benefit a lot of people. I know a lot of people who do have the issues listed that it would help them with their doctors have said, if we can get this approved, you would be like first in line because mm -hmm. you deserve it. I mean, it's no fun to be in chronic pain. I'm not a chronic pain, you know, person, but it, I, I couldn't imagine having to go through that every single day. And then knowing that your treatment is available in 32 other states, but not here. Yeah. But you just can't have access to it because of some people's egos basically at this point. Yeah, and it's just like, I don't know. This is one of those things I will never be able to understand because- It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either, but we're not here to make sense of it. We're just here to cover it. Right. All right, so that was the end of our newsy section. We are skipping the ones that got away this week because it's the last paper of the semester and we decided to fit in as much as we could. We don't have any that got away. <laughs> yeah, we just simply don't. We kept them all, so yay. Yeah, so next up we have Emma's Opinion Quarter. Yay! So, our hot take of the week. This is one that Heather and I are probably going to disagree <laughs> on, but I think that carpet is gross and it has no place anywhere. <laughs> she said, let it go in the Google Doc. <laughs> okay, I don't... Actually, do you want to talk first or I'll okay. just give my brief? Let me tell you why. Okay. So, it's gross because you can spill a bunch of stuff on it. And no matter how much cleaner and stuff that you put on it, it's never going to be 100% clean. Right. For some reason, universities and a lot of public places think that it's a good idea to have it. Now, I don't really understand that, considering of that reason. But, like, everybody, for some reason, just has carpet places. I know, like, it's supposed to help with, like, not being loud in some places. But rugs... They're replaceable. <laughs> you can clean them. If you spill something in the area, it's a whole lot easier to clean a rug than it is. Like, oh, absolutely. You can move it out of the space and it's not in the... I just don't understand why people like rugs so much. In my house, I would rather just have tile or like 
a vinyl something, liter- or hardwood floors, literally anything you can actually wipe <laughs> down rather than a carpet. I don't understand why people put it in houses. I don't understand why people put it in apartments. God forbid apartments. People go through it so quickly. I know. My, it's my carpet in my previous apartment was disgusting. Not because of me, but because of the idiots Everybody that lived there before, before I did. Yes. And they decided to replace half the carpet but not the other half you could literally see the dividing line because one side was like this nice brown brand new color the other side was dingy dirty stained like with black stains like what are those stains i know mystery stains so that's why i'm like if you're gonna have carpet don't and this this is a personal topic for emma because the reflector office is getting re like getting a little makeover yeah we're excited about it but emma is really praying that we don't get carpet okay so our current carpet has mystery green stains around both tanner and my desk there are stains all on the floor and then my dog will go in there and start licking it i'm like don't lick the carpet it's gonna give you some disease so like and i can guarantee that carpet's not been there probably that long it could probably be there maybe 10 years and it's if we put carpet back in it again it's just gonna happen over again so i say if you want like a carpety feel get yourself a rug for your space don't put carpet okay okay so so (laughs) i um i now i'm kind of convinced i never really kind of thought either way i always liked carpet because like it's warm on your feet when you wake up in the morning that's the only (laughs) slip i wear slippers socks or slippers so i i guess my opinion on carpet really changed last year in my old apartment when i had a house full of carpet and my upstairs was all carpeted but my downstairs was all like linoleum like that fake hardwood looking stuff and i was like this is so much better than my room's carpet because I spill stuff all the time because the cat would knock my water over every single day or my coffee or whatever I was drinking. And you know how easy to just get off a hardwood floor? You just, you just mop it up. You just do a little clean. But with carpet, my cup of coffee is in that floor. Yep. It won't ever come out. It has become another mystery stain. So now I am a changed woman. My apartment here is hardwood floor. I didn't choose it because I had hardwood floor, but it is hardwood floor and I have rugs. And guess what? I find that so much better because as a dog owner, my dog goes out in that yard and makes a mess. He wipes his feet on my little rugs outside before he comes in the house. And now there's there's no problem. And also you can shake rugs out. So like, say you had a bunch of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. We shake our rugs yes. out of my house. You could put them in the washer if they're small enough. Yes. So yes. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. <laughs> I think my mom will agree with us. So. But that's what I have to say about that hot take of the week. So next up, we have our movie review of the week. So this week, I watched Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. 2021. <laughs> yes. 20, I always put the year there, but <laughs> lately it's just been 2021 because it like comes out the previous week or two. But, uh, so this is a musical kind of thing. Uh, I never have seen the actual stage musical for it, but there is a stage musical. Uh, it was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. If you don't know who he is, he was the creator of Hamilton, which is how most people will know him. But he also created In the Heights, which they're having a movie come out for that soon, I'm pretty sure. Um, he's also done a lot of composing for Disney movies. He did Moana and, like, a bunch of other things. His name is everywhere right now. Pretty famous dude. Yeah, pretty famous dude. He's not my favorite person in the world, I have to say, but <laughs> he does make some good art. He just needs to stop trying to put himself in it. God forbid. <laughs> that man does not have that great of a voice to keep starring in his musicals. I feel like he's me as a person. Like, how can I insert myself into I'm this? I'm like, you are not Stan Lee. Stop trying to insert yourself in everything. <laughs> he makes good art. Just stay out of it, Lynn. <laughs> but, okay, anyway, so... It was starring uh, Andrew Garfield. If you don't know who he is, he was in uh, 
what was the name of that movie? I'm trying to remember. He was in Spider-Man. And he was that, but it was also in that Facebook movie. But I can't remember the name of it right now. I don't know, but he, I know him from Spider-Man. Yes, so he was Spider-Man whenever uh, it wasn't Tobey Maguire. So a lot of fans are thinking he's going to show up along with Tobey Maguire in the new Spider-Man movie that's coming Ooh. out. I don't know much about it, but people keep saying no. But you never can listen to anybody like that. If he doesn't show up, everybody's going to be disappointed now. So they might as well appease the fans. But uh, yeah, so he's in it. Alexandra Ship is in it. Vanessa Hudgens, that queen. high school musical queen, you know. <laughs> Uh, along with a bunch of other Broadway people. When I was watching it, I just kept looking. I was like, oh, I know them. I know them. <laughs> and they also had some of the original Rent cast, which is what this person's about. Uh, so it's about Jonathan Larson, who, who is played passed by... Away recently. Yeah, he's played by Andrew Garfield. Uh, he didn't pass away recently. That was Stephen Sondheim. Oh! He's been dead for a little while now. So he actually passed away. Uh, they were doing previews for Rent, his musical, and he passed away right before they even started. Uh, anyway, so it follows kind of his life and just kind of how he was struggling to write a musical. And he was just kind of having an existential crisis. He was about to turn 30, so he kind of thought <laughs> his life was over. He's like, I haven't done anything with my life. I'm almost 30. All these other like famous composers have done so much. And Where did I that even train of one. thought come from? It's so harmful because like if you haven't done anything by thirty, join the club. I know. Like my mom didn't become a lawyer until she was thirty-seven, and now she has a very successful law career. Like you never know what life is going right. to throw you later in life. Like just be along for the ride. Anyway, so he was panicking at this point. He's like, <laughs> I haven't done anything yet. Like Stephen Sondheim and like a bunch of other people. Already had, like, their hits on Broadway at, like, 27. He's like, I haven't even done one. And, like, I'm almost 30. My 30th birthday's coming up. And so (laughs) it talks about, like, that kind of existential crisis along with the AIDS and HIV kind of epidemics that occurred in the 90s and just kind of living in New York, everything that comes with that. But all of that kind of foreshadowed what his later musical Rent was about. Uh, it also focuses, I mentioned Stephen Sondheim. He's the one that died oh, okay, recently. Okay, I got him confused. At age 91. Uh, but he was kind of very important to the musical theater community. Mm-hmm. He created Sweeney Todd, the demon barber. Sweeney Todd. <laughs> uh, Into the Woods and West Side Story, which they're also having that come out soon. Uh, oh. Steven Spielberg directed that. Uh, that's going to come out in December, I believe. But anyways, he did all the lyrics for all of that. And he was also just kind of known in the community for, like, listening to the up-and-coming artists as, like, Jonathan Larson. He was up-and-coming at that point, and it makes a point of showing him attending stuff and listening and actually giving real feedback to him when other ones would just be like, mm. Oh, it's so nice to have someone like that in, like, whatever community you work in because oftentimes, you know, you get shot down. But it's like, if you have that one person who believes in you, it can make all the difference. And he's probably the reason kind of why Rent became a thing, honestly. No doubt. Because it even shows, I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, but he doesn't really become that successful with that. But Stephen Sondheim gives him, like, a call. And it's like, hey, don't let this kind of, I thought this was great. Here's some other stuff that you can kind of do. And eventually he had a smash hit. So I thought it was a good movie. Uh, I do think it was a little kind of boring at times because I don't know they just did a weird transition sometimes when they'd start singing but I still enjoyed it I mean I don't think it really made that much of a dent in most things but it was a fun movie if you want to watch it and just kind of existentialize a little bit it's good (laughs) 
Nice, nice, nice review. I did not end up watching this one again, guys. One <laughs> day I'll promise. Together. I promise. Maybe over Christmas break when I actually have time, I will watch a movie that Emma also watches. Yeah, we'll do it one day, guys. And then that day we'll not stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Okay, so that's all for that section. Uh, next up is the crazy story of the week. What is it this week? So, this story was run by Mississippi Today's editor-in-chief, Adam Ganeshow. Yes. <laughs> He's from my hometown. He went to my high school. I actually met him before uh, when I was at Millsaps. We were, oh. we were revamping the Purple and White, which is their newspaper, and he kind of sponsored that class period, so I actually met him back then. Cool. His brother was in the band with me in, like, seventh grade. <laughs> wow, small world. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> anyway, so he wrote this article. Shout out. About uh, the kind of changing of the Mississippi flag, but the weird kind of part about it was it was two of the head football coaches in Mississippi, Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. From MSU and Ole Miss, respectively. But they were going to lobby in favor of the Mississippi flag, which I did not know happened. So this actually happened way back then. Wait, so they wanted the flag to be what it is now? Yes. Okay, I was wondering. They both went there, showed up, and they they were lobbying in favor of it. I didn't know that they even went lobbying. Mm-mm. And that's not something that happens very often. So it was kind of surprising that they both showed up there. That's also kind of cool because they didn't feel the need to, like, broadcast that they were doing this. They were kind of doing it behind the scenes. Like, not to get credit for it, but to genuinely do what Mississippians wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And obviously they have huge voices. They get paid a lot of our taxpayer money, so. Exactly. <laughs> so it's not often that you get two SEC coaches into the Mississippi Capitol. But that wasn't even the crazy part of him them just lobbying. It was what they did before, during, and after while they were there. So, Ole Miss, their athletics department was flying down there. They kind of got all of this on a whim. And uh, Lane Kiffin, who had just gotten like a couple hours of sleep the previous night, he was arriving in town. He didn't have a suit. He didn't have anything. He was wearing a hoodie, a t-shirt, shorts, flip-flops, and his like, iconic little... Uh, hat. What so, a fit. The he short, was just showing up. The shorts and flip-flops. Yeah. Please I'm no. Number stop. one, who flies in flip-flops, but <laughs> I'm judging you already. <laughs> like, no thank you. <laughs> so he shows up. He's like that. He's like, well, crap. I don't have anything. I obviously can't show up like this. They have like a dress, like, code. Dress and also, you just don't want to walk into the Capitol looking like, like that. the impression you want when you're trying to lobby in favor of No, something. no. So he was like, well, crap. What do I do? And then one of his friends had, like, a relationship with the guy that owns the Rogue, which was a tailoring store in Highland Village, and they have like suits and all that kind of stuff. So he got him real quickly tailored, <laughs> as good as it could, anyway. And then, like that was in the morning of, and he showed up in the suit that he got from there. So they all show up. Mike Leach decides to show up first. Um, he flew in Jackson for the day from Florida, where he lives, and made his way into Delbert Hoseman's office. He didn't shake hands with anybody or anything. Instead, he walked straight past them (laughs) and grabbed chicken biscuits from (laughs) Chick-fil-A and then walked around with people who had them on their plates, took them from them, and stuffed them in his pockets. What a weird man. (laughs) Didn't say anything, just did that. Then... (laughs) I feel like all the introverts will relate to that. Everyone's like, uh... (laughs) Then Lane Kiffin shows up, and they're like, Mike Leach is already there. He sees him. He's like, hmm. Walks up to him, grabs his mask, pops it on his <laughs> face. Mike Leach did that to him. I know everyone has seen this on Twitter, the gif that they have. Yes. He grabs it, 
popped. This is iconic. This was probably one of the very first times they had met each other. Yes. The rivalry already started. That was like the first time they'd seen each other because they hadn't been anywhere since COVID. They like didn't have practice or anything. So they hadn't really been in Mississippi, either of them. And that's when they meet, and that's the first thing Mike Leach does. After he stuffs all those biscuits in his yeah, after he has actively stuck biscuits into his pants and <laughs> anything else he's probably wearing, <laughs> this man showing up with Chick-fil-A biscuits and pops the mask of him. So, yeah, and then the rest of the time they spent lobbying. Well, I knew they were there, but I didn't know what... I Wait, they were lobbying, but... Okay, I guess I knew that. Interesting. So, this oh, yeah. story just came out. They So... The events of this did not occur now. Uh-huh. Uh, they occurred back whenever all of that was happening. But the story came out November 24th. 2021. Yeah. So it was just kind of reflecting on all that happening. I have a feeling they ran it because the egg bowl was happening. Oh, yeah. So just to kind of make The rivalry moment. starts. So I'll link that below if y'all want to see the picture of him popping the mask. <laughs> I feel like everybody can see that in their head. Yeah. Just in case you don't. Just in case you can't visualize, we'll attach that for y'all. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's all we have for this week. Uh, we're happy to leave off on a happy note this week. Yeah, we're not <laughs> talking about the death penalty or anything. I know. But, uh, we really enjoyed talking to you guys today. Another solo episode with Emma and Heather. I hope that you guys enjoyed. You can go ahead and follow us on our social medias at On The Scene Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can also follow The Reflector on their social media and reflector-online.com. All is linked below. And you can also send us an email if you would like to be a guest on the pod. If you have any hot takes, questions, comments, concerns, or anything in between, you can email us at onthescenepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Please send us some stuff and try and argue with me about my hot takes. I love it. Yes, you can also send us Instagram DMs or comments if you want to talk about the hot takes. We will post some of those on our stories. Yes, and uh, that's all for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Bye.